So we are just at the beginning of this exciting new teaching series, inventively titled Vision 2023. What's it all about? I hear you cry. Well, shockingly, um, as Ben laid out last week, it is about on the ground in 2023, how we live out our vision to follow Jesus, build community and love Newcastle. Because they're wonderful things to say, but Sometimes we need a little bit more specificity, a little bit more detail, um, a little bit more direction for where we are right now. <clears throat> so if you weren't here last week, you can catch Ben's talk again. He introduced the whole thing and mapped out where we're going. Um, I would recommend you do that. Um, if you head to our website, stthomas.church/teaching you will find um, a whole heap of resources, all the talks, um, mine will be on there from today and all the rest of the ones in the series. Do head there if you ever miss one. Um, it, it's great to catch up, but also, you know, if, if you spot a particularly great song in the service, all the live stream stuff is up there and you can always flick back through and catch it again. But Ben intro this idea that for St. Thomas's to love Newcastle, we need to act out of a radical generosity. The kind of generosity that's only really made possible in community. And that by building a community that models healthy family, we can be generous out of the overflow of love within that family. And the thing that makes us a family, the source of the love within it, is Jesus. In following Jesus, we want to encounter with him. Not just once, but again and again and again and again and again. And it's that encounter where it all begins. When we meet Jesus. Now, if you know Jesus, just take a moment to think back to that first time that you met him. What was that like? Was it a life-changing moment? Probably. It was certainly a life-defining one. It's our shared experience of an encounter with Jesus that leads us all into family together, into the family of the church. And it's this family that we hope not only to have an encounter with him in, but to draw others into as well. So that, like Jesus says in our reading from the Bible today, they might be saved, that they might be marked not as lost, but as found. Speaking of which, let's, let's get to that Bible. So if you've got a Bible with you, or you've got your phone or a device or something like that, um, we are reading this morning from the Gospel of Luke, one of the accounts of Jesus' life, written by a guy called Luke. Um, and we're in chapter 19. We're going to be reading the first 10 verses of that. But before we read, take a moment just to remember a time in your life when everything changed. It might be that moment I asked you to think about earlier when you met Jesus for the first time, but maybe, maybe it was just when you moved house, when you changed job, when you moved school or city. It might be when you discovered a new passion you never knew you had before. Maybe the first time you met a person who just shook your world up. Your best friend or your other half, maybe. Hold that moment in your mind and the feelings that that brings in your heart as we read through 
this story. So Luke chapter 19, starting at verse one. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there by the name of Zacchaeus, uh, sorry, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was so short, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter. He has gone to the guest, to be the guest of a sinner, they said. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to, the, said to them, said to the Lord, sorry, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, everyone's favorite short guy meets Jesus for the first time. What a story of encounter. The thing that I'm thankful for this week, um, fortunately, is this story. And that's not always the case when I'm preparing a sermon um, that the week before I'm thankful for the passage that I have to prepare it on. Sometimes it's really tricky, but this is an absolute gift. And aside from preparing something to say about it, the story is just amazing. I wonder how it measures up to your own experiences of that pivotal moment in your life. I wonder how your examples were similar or different to what we read about Zacchaeus. Normally, when we use the word encounter, we're trying to convey some sort of um, coming up against, some, some kind of unexpected thing, often something not ideal. We encountered a problem. Or he was out walking one evening and encountered a stranger. It's not actually mostly something we use to describe a, a, a positive. But despite the fact that Zacchaeus is clearly planning to see Jesus, in fact, in verse three, it says he wanted to see who Jesus was. Zacchaeus had heard of Jesus and, and feels compelled to find out more. Despite that, we should understand that the manner of this meeting with Jesus was though potentially not unsurprising, a bona fide encounter. It was much more than what Zacchaeus was looking for. It was much more than just seeing Jesus. In fact, Zacchaeus really got what he was hoping for. He saw who Jesus was. Jesus revealed that in his behavior. Zacchaeus surely couldn't have expected that he was going to be directly addressed by this esteemed traveling teacher that he was really just climbing into a tree to kind of get a glimpse of and, and see whether all the hype was true. Not only that, but in verse six, Jesus invites himself round to Zacchaeus's house. Now this is the only time in all of the gospel accounts that Jesus invites himself 
into someone else's space. Every other place, someone invites him or Jesus is just in the right place at the right time. But this is the only moment when he directly puts himself into someone's space. Now, of course, Zacchaeus could always have refused, but fortunately for us in the story, um, he doesn't. Maybe that was because knowing Zacchaeus wasn't well-liked, Jesus wanted to make clear from the off whose idea this all was. Whatever the reason, this was an encounter, something unexpected, but also by almost every standard measure, something really not ideal for Zacchaeus. He comes out of it considerably lighter in the pocket than he went in. And most of us would consider an experience like that not a positive one. So, we're going to have a think about what the characteristics of encounter are as we see it in this passage. What can we learn from this? And the first thing that I want us to look at is in verse 2. Now, Jesus doesn't encounter with the worthy, but the unworthy. Zacchaeus, whose name, by the way, means righteous one, is anything but. We probably don't get the gravity of the description of the man Zacchaeus, but it's not a positive portrayal. He is an unsavory character. Now, not many of us really enjoy paying the tax man, I'm sure, but tax collectors here, they weren't just disliked because they took money from you to pay for public services not like we experience. Instead, they took money to pay the hostile force that was oppressing the people. They colluded with them against their own people and they took far more than was necessary, skimming off the top line to line their own pockets. Zacchaeus isn't just a tax collector though. He is a chief one. This is the only mention of a chief tax collector. We meet other tax collectors in the, in the, in the Bible, but a chief tax collector only appears here. So surely he's kind of like some sort of area manager for all the other tax collectors who were bad enough. Not only is Zacchaeus one of them, but he is also compelling others to do this terrible job. He is completely betrayed himself and his people. Zacchaeus is so lost, so far from his Jewish identity that he lives as a cultural outcast. Tax collectors were wealthy, but within the Jewish community, they were treated with contempt. In the previous chapter um, of, of the Bible, it says, or rather Jesus says, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God describing it as a nigh-on impossible task. Zacchaeus is very wealthy. Just another thing that makes him an unlikely candidate. But Jesus does not encounter the worthy. He encounters the unworthy. So secondly, we, when we pursue encounter with Jesus, it will cost us. We think about Zacchaeus's journey of encounter, it starts with curiosity. Starts with a, an inkling, a desire to see who this was, to see who Jesus might be. He's pursuing Jesus, even though he probably doesn't quite know why. But it was costly. In running, 
as the story says he does, in running ahead of Jesus to find this fig tree and then climbing it. Zacchaeus lost any small amount of social, cultural dignity that he had left. These are the things that children do. These are the actions of a, of a wayward kid, not a respectable grown-up. When we pursue an encounter with Jesus, it will cost us. Cost us not just money, but cost us of ourselves. It'll require us to put our reputations, maybe even our dignity, to one side in order to get to a place to meet him. Um, I don't have a heading for it, but um, just see how Jesus honors Zacchaeus. It's, it's beautiful. As he looks at Zacchaeus and says, I need to come to your house. See how Jesus redeems all of Zacchaeus' experience of exclusion and unworthiness. How Zacchaeus finds possibly for the first time what it means to have true worth and value a man worth so much in economic terms and yet so little in the eyes of his own people see how when confronted with the grace-filled honor of hosting the king of all time for tea Zacchaeus's whole world is turned around he goes from outcast to host he is lost and looking for something and Jesus finds him Zacchaeus was looking to see who Jesus was in verse three, but maybe then it's not a surprise that he meets him. But the nature of that meeting is a surprise. If we are pursuing Jesus, it's not a surprise that we might meet him. But the nature of that meeting, that might just be. Because when we encounter Jesus, he confounds our expectations. He reveals our true value and he leads us to true repentance. So Zacchaeus doesn't just say sorry. After the people start grumbling, they're upset about this. He's not the sort of guy that you should be hanging around with. Certainly anyone that was unsure about Jesus, whether he was the real deal, whether he was respectable, They've definitely had all their worst fears confirmed when he invites himself around to Zacchaeus' house. But Zacchaeus' response is not, oh, brilliant, this validates everything I've been doing. Finally, someone sees how rich I am and they want to come and stay in my amazing house. Now, instead, his response to this encounter with Jesus is a profound vision of repentance. Often I think we have a, a very weak view of, of what repentance is. It seems like an old world, shouty religious word for saying sorry. But it's so much more than saying sorry. It's an active regret that's embodied by a ceasing of the wrong behavior, the sin, and a move in the opposite direction a move towards making that wrong right. See, Zacchaeus, he doesn't, um, he doesn't just recognize what he's done is wrong, say sorry and agree to move on from it and be better in the future. He actively participates in redressing the balance 
Now, of course, we can't all repay our debt necessarily. We, we can't all undo every wrong that we might have done. Part of the gift of grace that Jesus gives us is the opportunity to actively participate, though, in redeeming the consequences of our sin. He'll take the cost, but he does ask us to be involved in the payment. Zacchaeus pays back twice as much to those he's defrauded as the law requires him to. So he's not just doing what he's supposed to do. He's going far beyond that. Jesus has really impacted his heart. Zacchaeus is no longer held by the need to hold on to the extravagant wealth for himself. Instead, Jesus has released him into an extravagant generosity, paying the expenses of the poor. When we follow Jesus, when we encounter with him, we experience what it is to be marked not as lost, but as found. When we encounter, we are marked afresh, not as lost, but as found. Not just in the first time, but every time again and again and again, we find our way again. When we encounter with him, we're reminded again just how much we need him. So Jesus doesn't encounter the worthy, but the unworthy. When we pursue encounter with Jesus, it will cost us. And when we encounter him, he confounds our expectations, leads us to our true value, leads us to true repentance. And with every encounter, we are marked afresh, not as lost, but as found. But that's all very well in the story of Zacchaeus. How, though, do we encounter God every day, today, tomorrow? We encounter Jesus in many different ways. Some, some of these are based on our characteristics and sensibilities, um, whilst others are totally contrary to them. So lots of people raise their hands in worship, for example. And, and that will be totally normal for many people. You're quite demonstrative as a character. You often do big gestures with your body. It, it doesn't seem abnormal to you. For others, when they raise their hand or have a profound physical demonstration in worship, it represents a departure from their character. But we each meet Jesus in a different way. And they're not always the ways we should expect to. That might be in a moment of sung worship, in a moment of encounter during that. But it might be an encounter with Jesus in the pages of the Bible. Maybe you'll meet Jesus in prayer he speaks to you in a, a picture or speaks through you to another or to you through another. We have this amazing gift of the Holy Spirit promised to us by Jesus before his death and resurrection. Um, there's an account of it in, in John chapter 16. Uh, and there, Jesus says, the Spirit will guide us into all the truth He'll not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears. Only what God 
says. The Holy Spirit is our encounter with Jesus today. So earlier in that same passage in John 16, Jesus tells us that the first big result of meeting the Spirit, if I can find it, the first big result of meeting the Spirit is to have our heart convicted of sin. In light of which, he guides us all into the truth. On encounter with Jesus, wasn't Zacchaeus convicted? Cut to his core by his own selfishness, his own wrongdoing and his sin? And didn't he then repent and stop his sin, turn away and go in the opposite direction? It's the same thing that Jesus describes happening when we meet the Holy Spirit. So how do we encounter with the Spirit of Jesus today? Well, is there a pattern in the passage that we've read? Is there a pattern in, in Zacchaeus' story that, that we can learn from, an example to follow or a command to obey? Earlier, I said that we pursue encounter with Jesus and, and when we do that, it'll cost us. It will cost us, but... The other important part of that sentence is, is the when we pursue, because we must pursue it. Yes, Jesus invites himself into Zacchaeus's home, into Zacchaeus's space. And yes, that's unusual the first time that that's happened, perhaps the only time. But Zacchaeus first seeks out Jesus. We must pursue encounter. And pursuit here doesn't mean really wanting it. We do need to really want to encounter Jesus, but no matter how much I really want something, no matter how really I want to get somewhere, for example, no matter how really I want to get home at the end of a, a long working day, I still have to move towards it in order to make that happen. Zacchaeus's encounter is characterized from the beginning by his pursuit of it. Perhaps that's why Jesus invites himself over. He, he doesn't do it anywhere else. So how do you invite Jesus? How do you pursue Jesus? Do you mostly sit around and wait for his invitation? Do you just wait for him to pop up and say, I'm coming to your house today? Or do you map out his route, go ahead of him, climb a tree, and get in his way, do you pursue Jesus? The specific detail of what I'm about to say now is not in this passage, so forgive me. Um, but I wonder if it would be helpful to think about what you could do to pursue Jesus in your daily life. I don't know how many people pray each day. I won't ask for a, a show of hands because either it'll make people feel very self-conscious um, or we'll feel like we have to put a hand up anyway, even if it's not true. But I wonder how many of you pray every day. And I wonder if that prayer is, please, could I get a parking space? Or I'm so tired, God, please help me to wake up and get to work on time. 
or if it's a conversation that we have, an ongoing relationship that we have with him. I wonder how many of us worship God each day. I don't necessarily mean singing, but how many of us ascribe worth to God in our hearts and in our actions each day? Where do we place Jesus above our other desires? And I wonder how many of us read our Bibles each day. I hate reading. I really do. I'm, I'm not uniquely, but fairly appalling at it. Um, I just find it really difficult. But you know, we live in the 21st century and the whole Bible has been read several times on audiobook. I find I have very few excuses left for why I don't read the Bible each day. Um, which means that when I don't, it's more about me than about the external things stopping me. I wonder how many of us are pursuing Jesus in our everyday. Um, in in a, a previous role, uh, I made a video which I now find very embarrassing, not because of the content, but because it's awful looking at yourself and then time passes and my hair has received at least two more inches um, and uh, my skin's an odd shade of gray because I didn't get the lighting right. And it turns out when I hold my fingers up, they're really bendy in a funny direction. But the content I, I liked, um, what I said in it was, living a life of prayer is as easy as one, two, three. We could change that to living a life of encounter is as easy as one, two, three. But you will have to do more than just want it. You will have to, to do it. One, as far as I'm concerned, is worship. Two is the Bible. And three is prayer. If you just did those three things every day, I guarantee you, you would encounter Jesus. If you have as little as six minutes in your day, and I know many people who spend at least that time in the toilet each day, if you have as little as six minutes, or maybe even as much as half an hour, you can split that time into three, spend two minutes worshiping, two minutes in the Bible, and two minutes in prayer. You'll encounter Jesus. It's really not that hard, but you will have to do it. Um, I could probably keep going, I'm looking at the clock, I could probably keep going on, on, on that, but let's think a little bit about what worship would mean. If, if you're not sure, I'm gonna ruin Will's morning by saying, go and talk to Will afterwards. He was playing the guitar. Will is our, what are we saying? Worship director? Worship pastor? He's the worship guy. And Will will tell you so much that you didn't know about worship. Will is great at music and great at singing, but he also will tell you the other aspects of worship. That it's not always about singing at the front, that sometimes worship can be as simple as kneeling down in God's presence. So worshiping each day for two minutes could be as simple as that, or you could just head to YouTube, find a lyric video, 
and watch a worship song for two minutes. You don't have to have done some heavy prep. Two minutes in the Bible, find a psalm. You could work through the book of Psalms. Read a psalm. I'm rubbish at reading and even I can read most psalms in two minutes. And just ask God to speak to you through it. And then prayer. Try not to make your prayer, Jesus help me today as I try to achieve the things I want to achieve. Let's make our prayer an outward focused thing. Try praying for someone you know who hasn't yet met Jesus to encounter him. Even better, try praying for more than one person. Maybe even have one for each finger on your hand. Five people to encounter Jesus. And if you've got six minutes, you'll spend two minutes doing each. If you've got half an hour, 10 minutes. I mean, if you've got an hour, you could even spend 20 minutes on each one. So how can we encounter Jesus every day? It's as easy as one, two, three. And we know that when we do encounter him, it will create a profound change in us, one that others will see and one that will change the world. Why don't we um, stand together and I'll invite the band back up.